How many of you are ready for the word tonight? Yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm and your excitement. You've heard me say it here before at Converge that that word enthusiasm comes from two words in the Greek, en theos. En meaning in and theos meaning God. Enthusiasm, the root of the word, the idea of enthusiasm is derived from those who are in God. And I like to say that the Christ follower ought to be the most enthusiastic, the most passionate person on the face of the earth. Amen? Yeah, we should be more excited about our Jesus than we are about our cowboys. Come on. Because our Jesus is undefeated, undisputed. He has never failed. So thank you, uh, Converge Live, for your excitement, your enthusiasm. One of the things we say here at Converge is the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. In fact, Jesus said it this way to a man who came to him. As, and Jesus said, what should I do for you? And the man said, I want to be healed. And Jesus said, be it unto you, what? According to your faith. You know why? Simply because the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. My prayer tonight is that it will be unto you. I'll say that again. It will be unto you. Not according to my faith, not according to Levi's faith or Coquetzel's faith or Andrea's faith or Dexter's faith. It will be unto you according to your faith. Amen? So we're going to place a demand on the word tonight. We're going to place a demand on the supply of the spirit. And we trust that God will meet each of us right where we are at the point of our need. That God will take the same word I speak and give specific application to each one of us right where we need it. Only God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He is the teacher tonight. And so, Father, we pray that you will take these lips of clay and make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. I trust you now for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I pray that the entrance of your word will bring light and illumination where there is darkness. Speak to us, God, as only you can. We entrust this moment and everything we do next to you. And we say, Lord, have your way in us that you might have your way through us. And everybody who believes and agrees, shout, Amen and amen. Listen, it is week four of our sermon series, Supreme 2.0. We said this is the sequel to the series that we did at the beginning of the year because we're learning, we're discovering what it looks like for the believer, for the Christ follower to be fully yielded and submitted to God so that all that remains of us is Jesus alone. You've heard me say it before. All of me, none of him. Some of me, some of him. None of me, all of him. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, it is no longer I that live. And pretty much he was saying, I'm a dead man walking. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. You know what that means? It means that Jesus desires to live his life through us. Jesus wants to be the one who animates us. And he wants to find expression in the earth through us. He wants to live his life through these earthen 
vessels. And so that's what we're learning, what we're discovering, what that looks like for Jesus to live big inside of us so that our lives can truly become viral, infectious, contagious. That we become the influencers, not the ones being influenced. Because we're under the influence, come on somebody, of Christ, not culture. So we've been walking through uh, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which chronicle the works of the early church. And how many of you realize that what we see God doing through the early church, he was doing through ordinary men just like you and me. These were men who were no different, had the same challenges, had the same struggles, had the same fears, had the same anxieties, yet our God was able to do exploits through them. And that's why Daniel said in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, they that know their God will first of all be strong and do exploits. What we see in the book of Acts is a manifestation of people who knew their God and allowed the God that they knew to live his life in them and through them. And that's what God wants for our church. Imagine 120 ordinary men and women 2,000 years ago in an upper room became the foundation for what has become a movement 2,000 years later. God still desires to do the same through ordinary people just like you and me. So that's what it looks like when our lives become viral, not in a social media sense, but when our lives become influential. Are y'all with me? And God wants to see that happen wherever we're planted. This is not just limited to the four walls of the local church. It's not just limited to your family and your home. It extends beyond that. And that's what I want us to get a picture of. And so Jesus said it this way. He said, my, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, so Jesus had a vision of what the church would look like. And so I started to talk to you a little bit about the church that we see here at Converge. Uh, this, I believe, is the fourth point as it relates to the church that we see. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week in our conversation about Paul the Apostle on his second missionary journey that took him from Asia to Europe. And we're going to continue where we left off. But the church we see, the church we imagine, and I believe this is the church that Jesus saw, is a church that is known more for its power than popularity. You see, I'm learning something now about the church and about the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said something rather peculiar in Matthew. He said, broad is the road that leads to death and destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And sometimes the path that we walk because we follow Jesus can be lonely. Not as crowded. Because it will require something of us. And often we think that, man, why can't I be on that road over there that's so crowded and everybody seems to be having a good time and they're turning up over there. But listen, 
Jesus said that road that leads to destruction is often broad. It's popular, but it can also be fatal. Are you listening to what I'm saying? In fact, when you examine the life of Jesus, the closer he got to the cross, the lonelier it became. I'm talking about the real gospel. I'm not talking about a comfortable and convenient gospel. Because Jesus is our blueprint and he is our model. And you will notice that the closer Jesus got to the cross, there weren't the multitudes. There weren't crowds. It was Jesus and his 12 in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it went even further than that. Because Jesus told nine of the 12 to stay right here and he selected three to go a little bit deeper. Peter, James, and John. But that wasn't even enough. Jesus left his inner circle, his day ones, his ace boom coons, Peter, James, and John, and he had to go to a place where he would be alone with the Father, where he would wrestle with God until he sweat drops of blood. Because the closer you get to your purpose, the lonelier it becomes. The closer you get to your purpose, there are only some things you need to settle with God and God alone. You can't bring 12. You can't bring three. There are certain things in this life, the closer you get to your divine purpose, that you can only do alone. Because it's not about popularity. It's about purpose. And it can be a painful place. It can be a lonely place. It can be a place where everything you trusted or thought you knew is broken and crushed so that out of that grape will come fine wine. Are you understand what I'm saying? That's the church Jesus imagined. And that is the church we see. A church that is known more for its pop power than popularity. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Amen. We're going to pick up where we left off. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Uh, but before we get there, Jesus said something interesting in the Gospel of Luke. He likened the kingdom of God to yeast. And he said the kingdom of God is like, least, like, like a drop of yeast that the baker put into the dough. And because of that little yeast, the entire lump of dough was leavened. He's talking about what the kingdom of God looks like when we go viral. Doesn't take a whole lot. And that's what Jesus sees with your life and my life. He sees our life in the earth like yeast. And he said, I'm going to plant so-and-so here because like yeast, it may seem seemingly insignificant, but its effects are undeniable. Yeah. I'm not a baker, but what I know is there's usually more flour to the dough than yeast. Yet that little sprinkle of yeast will will change the constitution 
and the chemistry of the entire lump. And what God is saying to us as a church is you may think, I'm talking about you individually, you may think that you are insignificant where God has planted you. But he said, just like that yeast can leaven an entire lump of dough, all it takes is one son, one daughter, who will allow their life to go viral. And it will change and upset the entire culture of everything around. Ask Joseph. Ask Daniel. And God says, that's what I want for you. Uh, what, what, what else do we know about yeast? Yeast, listen to this, is seemingly insignificant, yet it is never, oh, I love this. It is never intimidated by the size of the dough. I wonder if yeast could talk. What that yeast would say. Yeah, I see this old big lump of clay. And all you're going to do is just do this right here. I ain't scared. And that's how God wants us to approach life. Never be intimidated by the size of the dough. Why? Because the greater one lives in you. He is greater than anything that is in the world. I'm talking about what can happen for us when we choose to allow our lives to go viral. Oh, let let me give you another fact about yeast. Oh, I like this one. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Come on. Yeast works quietly, but its effects are undeniable. You don't hear yeast shouting about what it's doing about how effective it is. Yeast is just yeast. And yeast will do what yeast does. I'm talking about what the church looks like when the church goes viral. I'm talking about your life and my life. That God can place you sometimes in a hostile environment. And because of the bigness of God in you, you can shift the culture of that place. I I, I, I feel faith rising. Because most of us have settled and we've said, well, this is the way it's always going to be. What can I do? What can God do through little old me? And yet the Lord said, the kingdom of God is like yeast. Uh, uh, Here's a third fact. Uh, <laughs> Once you put the yeast in it, now the, 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 the dough takes on the identity of the yeast, right? Yeah, that's it. Because now it's no longer unleavened bread, it is leavened bread. Yeah. Are you, do you hear know what I'm saying? Yeah. The yeast doesn't become dough, the dough becomes yeast. Right. Yeah. Mm, okay. I see we're still trying to process that a little bit. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the last one. Y'all ready for this one? Oh, I like this one. Yeast is activated by heat and pressure. I'm talking about the things you avoid that are the very things that will activate the greatness of God in you. Several years ago, listen to me, listen to me. Several years ago, I did a message because the kids were much younger. So it seemed like every time we went to the movie, we were watching a Disney movie. I did a whole message called Ratatouille. I got more, more feedback 
from that message than any other message I preach. You know, one of the things that resonated with people is when I told them that the only way this little rat named Remy could fulfill his purpose, his dream to be a chef, is that he would fulfill it in a place that was hostile to his very existence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hear what I'm saying? Yeah. A rat has no place in the kitchen. Yet the only way this rat can become a chef is if he cultivates what is in him in an environment that is hostile to his very existence. And there are many of us who are begging God to rescue us from the fire. And God said, no, you are yeast and you are activated. What's in you will be released in the crucible of crisis. That's how you go viral. Mm. That's the part we don't like, though. And that's why Zig Ziglar said there are no traffic jams on the second mile freeway. The second mile, first mile is crowded because that's the easy part. The second mile, only few people make it because the second mile requires sacrifice. No traffic jams. So uh, let me get to my message. When I thought about this yeast analogy, I kept going back to Helen Keller. Many of you know Helen Keller. She was an activist for the disabled. She was an author, songwriter. Sometimes people forget that Helen Keller spent most of her life blind. Uh, There was an illness that she experienced when she was 19 months old and spent the rest of her life blind and deaf. Yet she never allowed that to stop her. In fact, it was some of those obstacles that activated the greatness of God that was in her. One of the distinctions that Helen Keller has is that she was the first person, deaf and blind, to graduate Harvard University. And when she was asked, what could possibly be worse than being blind? Helen Keller replied, having sight but no vision. And even in her blindness, Helen Keller had a clear vision for life. That I'm not going to let the pain of my circumstances become my prison. It will become my platform. So this is what she said. This is what Helen Keller said. She said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering Can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved? And this was a woman who was deaf and blind from the age of 19 months old. She understood that just like yeast, sometimes it is life's greatest adversities that activate the power of God. And the purpose of God in our 
lives. So here we are in Acts chapter 16 where we left off. Last week we talked about the fact that God redirected and rerouted Paul. Paul and Silas were headed toward Asia, and God forbid them to go to Asia. And then he forbid them to go to Bithynia. He rerouted them and brought them to Macedonia. Because in Macedonia, there was a man praying that God would send someone who would bring the gospel to them. So Paul lands in Macedonia, and even more specifically, he lands in Philippi. And there in Philippi, he encounters a young lady, a businesswoman, successful businesswoman, a seller, a trader of purple named Lydia. Lydia becomes the first convert in Philippi, and her home becomes the first church, house church, headquarters of the church in Europe. Come on, somebody. Listen, there are delays you are experiencing in your life. There are detours you are experiencing in your life that have very little to do with you and more to do with who God is sending you to. Let me tell you about the the frustration we experience with the delays. Sometimes we don't hang in there long enough for God to reroute us, to take us to our Macedonia, to our Philippi, to see that God is doing something so much bigger than my agenda. That needs to sink in. Because we live in a world and a culture, and this has crept into the church. Where if we don't get it our way, Burger King, come on somebody. We are going to throw a complete fit. And we don't give God the opportunity to say, no, don't go to Asia. No, don't go to Bithynia. Go to Europe. Because there's something much greater there. So he lands in Europe, encounters uh, Lydia, plants this house church in Philippi, and then the narrative picks up. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> in verse number 16. This is Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts 16, 16. Here it is. It says, now it happened. Just like that. Isn't that the way life usually is? Life is filled with interruptions and disruptions that come often without warning. Mm -hmm. It just happened, Andrea. Listen to me. In the middle of serving the purpose and the will of God, the man of God in his obedience, not his disobedience, is about to experience a major disruption. And I'm talking about when you allow your life to go viral. I'm talking about when when there's nothing left of you and all that's left is Jesus. This ain't for people who, who, who still about their agenda. This is the life that we experience when we have surrendered and submitted fully to the will of God. So now it happened, look at that, as we went to pray, being spiritual and stuff, going to church, and everything about to fall apart. Have you ever been there? 
it's a confusing place. Yeah, it's a very confusing place. So here's Paul on his way to church. Said that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Come on, Miss Cleo. Dion Warwick. If you if you live through the 90s, you know what I'm talking about. That psychic hotline was jumping off in the early 90s, man. They were getting paid. Like for real, for real. And notice what happened. This girl followed Paul and us. And cried out saying, notice what the fortune teller was saying. Notice what the spirit of divination was saying. These men are men of God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Man, I want to get off on a soapbox and talk to y'all about y'all. Uh, about the importance <laughs> in these last days of knowing the voice of God for yourself. For those of you who jump from church to church and from YouTube video to YouTube video looking for a word from the Lord, it can sound like the right thing, but it could be coming from the wrong source. Our men of God who pray, could proclaim salvation to us. There's some of y'all probably who even watch, what's the psychic kid on E-Television? He was on E-Television. I mean, when the kids start talking, there's all these people who start crying because he starts telling them stuff about their past, about family members, about all these family secrets, about stuff they got on their body. It's demonic in origin. Notice, what the spirit of divination said was true. Were they men of God? Were they proclaiming the message of salvation? And notice what happened. She did this how long? Many days. But notice what happens next. <laughs> but Paul, greatly annoyed... Listen to me, there are some people you see and they, they're saying the right thing. But on the inside here, if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus for yourself, down on the inside, you're going to know this ain't right. Man, I'm getting on my soapbox. I got to get to my message. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. I'm talking about a church that's known more for its power. Yeah. Well, I could tell you all some stories coming from Africa. Because in Africa, there is a unique sensitivity to, uh, I don't want to sound weird about Converge Online people. But there is stuff that we see, I don't know if it's like that in South Africa, things that we experience. I'll give you a whole nother appreciation to when the Bible says we wrestled not against flesh and blood. Amen. He commanded the spirit, get out, and it came out of her that very hour. Now notice what happens next. But when her masters, verse 19, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, 
Their cash cow was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought him to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates, listen to this, tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods while doing the will of God. Mm-hmm. And when they had laid, listen to me, many stripes on them. <sighs> I want to get into, the, into the, 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 the customs and traditions of Bible lands. This was no small flogging. This was no small beating. In fact, one of the things that would, well, you know the story of Jesus where they had the cat of nine tails and, and, and because they had bottle and, 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 and metal and all these things, every time he took one stripe and they pulled out the cat of nine, it ripped chunks of flesh out of his back. This is a little bit of different flogging where they were flogged with rods. And one of the things that they would do was they would flog the bottom of your feet. And I don't have time to get into what happened biologically, but sometimes this kind of beating left permanent damage. Hold up. This is what I got to deal with for preaching the gospel? For doing the will of God? I'm talking about when our lives go viral. And so, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. One translation says they put them into the inner prison. There are commentators who suggest that the inner prison was, it was a, an opening at the very bottom of the prison where all the prisoners and their sewage landed. Where the sewage and the, not trying to be too graphic, but the excrement from the floors above would drain down into the inner prison. That's where they put them for preaching the gospel. And having received such a charge, he put, oh, here it is. He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Yeesh, I want to tell you about the stocks, but we'll be here forever. Needless to say, they were in excruciating pain for doing the will of God. But notice what happened. Come on, somebody. Verse number 25. Uh, what I've submitted to you is their condition. What do you do when you find yourself, listen to me, on your way to Asia, redirected to the Philippi, and now you're in the inner prison? At midnight. What? Hold up. I thought I was following God. I thought I heard from God. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> what am I doing here? So notice what happened. I love this. <laughs> Somebody say at midnight. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a midnight moment. And when I talk about midnight moments, I'm talking about when doing the right things doesn't produce the desired or expected results. Yeah, I think we've all been there. That's where they find themselves. What do you do? 
converge when your vision becomes a nightmare. Not of your own making or your own choosing. And you've heard me say this before, that obedience to God often attracts opposition. And here they are obeying God and they find themselves in the midst of opposition. Notice their response to their condition. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Right there, there's a comma, but I want to put a question mark. Hold up. They were singing and praying and singing hymns to God? No, 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 no. Rewind the tape. After all they went through, they decided to have a night of worship. After all that they had suffered at the hands of the people in Philippi, they still worship God? Hold up. They didn't blame God? They didn't curse God and die? But they started to worship him at midnight? I'm talking about what our lives will look like when we go viral. Most of us are still too alive. There's too much of us left so that when when our midnight happens, all that comes out of us is murmuring and complaining and we quit on God. That's proof. That's proof that there's still too much of me left. Because when all that's left of me is him, what will come out of me? What will come out of me when life squeezes me is not Ray Harmon is going to be Jesus. And when all that's coming out of me, when life crushes me, is more of me. Listen, these two guys are in prison, in the inner prison, surrounded by human feces, open sores, open wounds, muscles contracting, constricted, not even able to move, in stocks. And the stocks were used to stretch them, both their legs and their arms, so they couldn't even push themselves up to give themselves relief so that their bodies began to fight their own body. And out of their mouths came worship. The Pastor Ray, listen to me. At midnight, somebody needs to hear this. At midnight, reach for God. Yeah. Yeah. Because what the enemy will try to do, he'll try to make you blame God. And in blaming God, you isolate yourself from the one person who can change your circumstances. Listen to why this is important. What you do at midnight determines what you experience in the morning. Reach for God. And out of their pain, out of their pain came worship. Your walk with God 
will never exceed the boundaries of your worship of God. I'll say that again. Your walk with God will never exceed the boundaries of your worship of God. Let me tell you, you can't go any further than you're able to worship God. Let me say it like this. The enemy wants to steal your song. And your life, your peace, your drive, your, your, your ability to continue cannot exceed your willingness to worship. It cannot exceed. You will stop physically wherever you stop praising and worshiping God. Because your worship and your praise of God is a reflection of what is happening inside you. That's why the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Your life and my life will never go beyond the boundaries of my worship. And at midnight, notice what they did. They worshiped. Mm. <laughs> Come on, Converge. I'm, I'm about to wrap up. May I submit to you <laughs> that sometimes your song is your only way out. Sometimes your song is your only way out of your anxiety. Sometimes it's the only way out of your depression. Sometimes it's the only way out of your doubt. Sometimes your song is your only way out of your prison. You got to sing your way through it. You got to worship your way through it. You got to declare, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. At midnight. Isn't that what the psalmist said? He said, weeping may endure for a night. At midnight, reach for God. Because joy will come in the morning. Those that went out weeping shall doubtless come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm about to wrap it up. Heesh. When darkness comes and life gets painful, worship all the more. I like to call it the Bartimaeus principle. Bartimaeus was crying out to Jesus. And Jesus' own disciples tried to get Bartimaeus to shut up. And every time they tried to silence his praise, every time they tried to silence his voice, every time they tried to silence Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Every time he declared it, they tried it, and he cried out all the more. That's what we do at midnight. Notice what the scripture says. Notice what the scripture says. The second part of verse 25 says that they sang, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> may, I, may I submit to you, Converge Church? The minute you open your mouth and claim to be a follower of Jesus, the scrutiny just goes to a whole nother level. People begin to examine your life to see if what you say you believe is really true. And here they are in the prison, surrounded by prisoners and convicts, and as these two men worship. 
<laughs> the prisoners were listening to them. You never know who's listening to you. And you never know how what you say in your midnight hour will impact all those who are listening and watching you. Somebody say, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. The prisoners were listening to them. You see, the truth is, the truth is, most people want what you got, but they don't want to do what you did. And I, I got to say this, I got to say this, come on, Holy Ghost, Psalm 34, this is what Psalm 34 said. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will make my boast in the Lord. And then what he said, the humble will hear thereof and be glad. You know what worship is? The worship always begins with an individual. It begins with your individual commitment. I will bless the Lord. You know when David wrote that psalm? He wrote that psalm when he pretended to be mad when Abimelech was pursuing him. You know when he worshiped? When his life was under threat. And he said, I'm going to worship the Lord. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. Notice what he said. He said, somebody going to hear my worship. He said, the humble will hear thereof and be what? Glad. Never underestimate the impact you have on those who are listening and watching you while you're going through your midnight because it may not be just about you. What if God wants to use this painful season in your life as inspiration to help somebody else through their dark season? And he says, oh yeah, the humble will hear thereof and be glad. And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I will bless the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Because it's not just about what you're going through. It's how you handle what you're going through and how it will impact everybody who's listening and everybody who's watching. <sighs> Come on, somebody. I wish I had more time. Now let me bring some perspective. Every fight you face comes to test the authenticity of your faith. I'll say that again. Every fight you face comes to test the authenticity of your faith. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Notice what it says in verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is what? You got to test this thing to see if it's, if it's real. Come on, somebody. You got to know when somebody giving you a real diamond or a cubic zirconium. And it says the only way you reveal the authenticity and how genuine this thing is, my faith, is through trials. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. 
Notice verse 8. Because worship is such an act of faith. Notice what he says in verse 8. You love him even though you've never seen him. How are you going to worship a God and call him a way maker you ain't never seen? Especially at midnight. Because all of our worship is an act of faith. In a big God who is able to change and turn our situation and our circumstances. Notice what the text is. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Everybody wants an earthquake. But sometimes you got to go through midnight first. And I promise you I'm about to close. Is that the third time I said that? Fourth time maybe? Yeah, everybody wants the earthquake. They want the breakthrough. They want the manifestation. They want the turnaround. But you got to get through midnight first. And the way you get through midnight is reach for God. And then verse 26 says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. That's what we want. We want those suddenlies. And we forget that God's process always precedes our suddenlies. It doesn't just happen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all together in one place praying. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit came. When did the Holy Spirit come? When they were all together in one accord praying. The process precedes the suddenly. The suddenly came because they were doing what? Praying and singing hymns. Say it with me. Understand the plan? Follow the pattern. Receive the promise. And here it is, verse 26. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and only Paul and Silas's chains were loosed. No, everyone, everyone, listen, you're coming out and you bring in everybody with you. Everybody that's connected to you. Everybody that you love. They all coming out with you. We all coming out together. Never underestimate what your faith in God will do for others. But it comes out of a viral life that is surrendered to God. So here's what that looks like. And I promise you, this is the last thing I'm going to say. I promise you, I promise you. Sometimes God decides that he will use your story and your struggle, not your successes. He will use it as a testimony to encourage others. So, so notice what Paul said to his mentee. He's the mentor. Timothy's the mentee. After he has been all through all this stuff, including Philippi, because he's about to give us perspective. And this is what he said. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. Hey, that's the first thing we got to acknowledge in our worship. I didn't do this on my own. This wasn't because of how strong I was, how smart I was. He gave me the strength to do this. Hey, he gave me the strength to do this. Listen to me. I'm about to go crazy here right now. If y'all don't stop me. The Lord's been too good to you. Woo. 
if you just stop long enough to look back over your life. It wasn't you. You and I would have lost our minds a long time ago if it wasn't for his strength. Even when I thought I had nothing left. It was his strength at work in me. Notice what he said. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Ah, Paul is giving thanks because he's remembering where God took him from. He's remembering the fact that he was the one killing and persecuting Christians. He's remembering the fact that when Stephen was stoned for his faith, he was holding the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen to death. He's remembering that on the day he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was on his way to persecute more Christians. And he said, none of this was because of me. That God did it in spite of me. Listen to me. If you stop long enough to think about where he brought you from, you will have more than enough ammunition to worship for the rest of your life. Not even for what he's going to do, but just what he's already done. If we just stop long enough to say, thank you that I'm still here. verse 13 he said even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ I used to blaspheme him and he still chose me I killed his people and he still chose me he said in my insolence I persecuted his people he said man but I did it in ignorance God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief oh how generous this is the overflow of worship when you begin to think back over all that God has done for you. He says this, he says this. Oh, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about you and I come face to face with face to face with our foolishness and our mayhem. And we recognize that without him we ain't nothing. That we are the worst of all sinners. Yet he counted us faithful and entrusted us to be his representatives. This same God. This same God. And then he says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ could use me. Here it is as a prime example of his great patience, even to even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too, that they, if he did it for Paul, that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So what's God saying to Converge Church tonight? Some of us are saying, God, fix my situation. Fix my situation, Lord. And God saying, fix your praise. I'll say that again. <laughs> Is it God, fix my situation. Turn it around. Manifest. Fix my situation. And God said, fix your praise. And that's what we're going to do right now. Stand with us. We're going to fix our praise. 
Just keep playing what you're playing. Just keep playing what you're playing. And we're just going to fix our praise tonight. We're going to open our mouths. And we're going to thank God. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Father, for those who are standing at their midnight, who feel like they're in the inner prison, bound in stocks, beaten, broken, and battered. God, our present situation might seem hopeless, but we call upon the God who has done it before and who will do it again and again and again and again. And God, if you chose us when we were at our worst, God, we know you can use us even now. So Lord, tonight we don't look to our own strength. We acknowledge that you are at work in us. We fix our praise. We fix our praise to say that you are a good God. In the delays, you are a good God. In the detours, you are a good God. In the denials, you are a good God. And God, if you never did another thing for me and mine, you're still worthy of all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Yet will I praise you. So Lord, when we're tempted to cry out, God, fix my situation. Lord, we start by fixing our praise. Because the highest form of human speech, the highest form of human speech is the praise and the worship that we direct toward you. And even if we had a thousand tongues, it would be inadequate. So tonight, we declare that you are a good God, a good, good Father. And here's why we can rest. Because you are perfect. You are perfect. You are perfect in all your ways. Through the pain, you're perfect. Through the disappointment, you're perfect in all of your ways. So Lord, I thank you. And we thank you tonight that you are still the way maker. You're 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 still the way maker. Still the way maker. And right now, while we're worshiping, God, you're working. While we worship, God, you're working. While we worship, God, you're working. While we worship, God, you're working. Thank you, Lord. Can I say this, Convert? Ah, just because you ain't hearing nothing doesn't mean God ain't talking about your situation to somebody. I'm talking about those of you who need to see your situation through the eyes of faith. God could be talking about you. He could be pleading for you. And Father, we trust you to do that now. That out of this moment will come miracles that bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, let's lift that up to the Lord tonight. Father, we bless you. Hallelujah. You're the way maker. You're the way maker. You're the way maker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. That's who you are. That's who you are.
All right. I feel faith rising in this place. I promise you, we're going to remain standing because this is where we'll be dismissed. I want to share this with you. I want to share this with you. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, let me just read this to you. Oh, boy. If I can find it. If I can find it. Uh, if I can find it. And I'm talking about God using you right where you're planted. I'm talking about God using you right where you're planted. I'm talking about not understanding fully why you are where you are when you are, but that God using you right where you're planted. And that when God redirects you, huh? when God says no, he's setting you up for a bigger yes. So this yes isn't about me. But you guys know several years ago, well, several years ago, a few years ago, I was bivocational. And because the Lord gave me opportunities to minister to people, there were five people who came over from my job and started to attend Converge Church because my job became my mission field. And I realized that God called me to be viral in the marketplace. Well, this young lady and her husband started to attend our church and they started to serve. Now, during the pandemic, they relocated to Minnesota. And sometimes we wonder, am I even making a difference? But after the service last week, she sent a text. Come on, somebody. Still watching from Minnesota. And she sent this text and she said, Hi, Pastor Ray. On time word today. Loved when you said, Faith is how we manage the not yet. Thank you. I just wanted to share that my husband and I are expecting our first baby. Like the message today, we had been believing for a son for many years. We went through several rounds of IUI and right before we did IVF, God reconfirmed, listen to me, through one of your sermons in January 2020 that I would be a mom. The IVF didn't work, but we still believed. I'm talking about reaching out to God in your midnight. IVF didn't work, but we still believed. We knew our God would do it. We just didn't know how. We are excited that we are 20 weeks into the pregnancy that we conceived naturally. I'm talking about the Waymaker. Listen, listen, listen. Our son is perfect with no health issues. We're seeking prayers from you and Pastor Wendy for the continued health of our son and the wisdom to be godly parents. Sending love to you both from Minnesota. You know why I shared that? Because we see a church that is known more for its power than its popularity. This Jesus that we preach, if he's not alive and he's not doing miracles in people's lives, then something is wrong with what we're saying and how we're perceiving this God. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm telling you, God is bringing our church into a exciting season 
of notable miracles. And when I say our church, I'm talking about the people who make up the church. Our God is still a way maker. And even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it, even though you can't hear it, he is still working. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you, turn his face towards you. Listen, and give you peace. Listen to me, his peace that passes all understanding in the midst of your midnight, reach out for God because joy comes in the morning. God bless you, Converge Nation. We'll see you right here next Sunday or next weekend for Converge Live. God bless you. by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.